Good morning. Yeah, it's good uh, being with you this morning, uh, today. Um, we are uh, going to um, talk about, oh, sorry, let me, uh, All right, we're uh, going to talk about uh, the book of Psalms. And book of Psalms, um, it's, uh, it has 150 psalms, but it's actually divided into five um, smaller books, sub-books. And if you have your English Bible on the, on the heading, it should say book one, book two, book three, book four, book five, where it starts. And so today, we're going to look at Psalm 107. So I want you to go ahead and turn to that. And that's actually the first psalm of the last book, book number five. First Psalm, last book, and that's uh, Psalm 107. It's a lengthy psalm, so we're going to break this up into uh, sections. Uh, there's an introduction, and then there are four stories, or four testimonies, and then there's a conclusion. So that's the flow of the psalm, and that's what we will look at today. Um, the title of the, the, the psalm or the sermon is The Enduring Love of God. So Psalm 103. And I'm going to go ahead and read a portion. We'll pause, talk about it, read another portion. So please have your Bibles or devices open uh, in front of you. All right, Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from, from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. We'll pause there. So this is the introduction. The book of Psalm, and you can't really tell it in, in English Bibles, but in Hebrew, it starts out with a command. And it's just simply, give thanks or praise. And, and verse 1 immediately tells us why we should do this, right? Why we should give thanks or why we should praise. And that's because He's good and His steadfast love endures forever. That word, that phrase, steadfast love, that we read in the English Bible, it's, it's a, actually, in Hebrew, it's, it's, a, it's a famous word that's it's called hesed. And it's, it just means God's a covenantal promised love. That His covenantal promised love will endure forever. Um, if you... Uh, if you remember your wedding date or if you've been to a wedding, you know how this goes, right? The, the bride and the groom stand before one another and uh, they hold, usually hold hands. Um, you, it just reminds me, when I got married many, many years ago, my wife and I, for some reason, like the pastor who married us, told us to like uh, raise our hand like this. Like, so it felt like a scout's honor kind of thing. I, like, and so to this day, my wife like, is upset about that. But usually... If I were to do a wedding, I, I say, hey, bride and face one another and hold hands, right? And as they're holding hands, they're, they repeat a vow to one another. And thou, uh, these vows uh, go something like this. Um, I promise before God and these witnesses uh, to be your loving and faithful husband or wife in sickness and in health. In plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, as long as we both shall live. And that's the promise that we're making to one another, right? No matter what happens in life, I'm going to be faithful to you, right? No matter what happens in life, I'm going to be, I'm going to love you. That's the, that's the vow, covenant that we're making 
to one another uh, in our wedding ceremonies. Well, that's what, kind of what God is doing. God is saying, my love for you will endure forever. And I love how uh, uh, the Jesus Story Bible for children talks about this. It's, it says, God's love is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always forever. I like that. God's love is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always forever. And what that means is there's nothing that can get in the way of God loving us. Nothing. Nothing. Now, some of us hear that, and, and theoretically, we kind of know that. We know that, okay, God loves me. I know God loves me, but oftentimes, we don't, we don't really believe it because if we really believe that God loved us no matter what, like, I think we would be much more joyful, right? Or we'll be much more thankful, or we'll be much more confident courageous because God loves me. And it doesn't matter what happens in life. God loves me. But I think what happens is we, we know it theoretically. We know it in our minds, but it hasn't fully shaped our life. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And actually, this is not just in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, but uh, the Apostle Paul in Book of Romans um, says it this way, and, and most of us know this, but I think it's worthwhile for us to kind of hear it again. He says, who shall save us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? There's nothing in this life or life to come that can separate us from the love of God. Wow. That's powerful. And that's what God has for us. Now, I think when we hear something like this, we, we, in our mind, we begin to wonder, but like, I don't know if I really truly believe that. How about all the mistakes that I've made in my life? Or we say, how about all the, all the sin that I've committed in my life? Or we look around and we say, how about all the, all the hardships that I'm going through? I mean, how can God really love me that way? We begin to question. We look around the world and say, how about all the injustice that we, we see? Can God truly love me and truly love us in this way? The beautiful thing about Psalm 107 is um, there are four stories, four testimonies of people who actually went through severe afflictions in life and still came out of that season saying, yes, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. So I want to talk about the four stories. The first story is verse 4. So look in get your Bibles or devices, verse 4. It says, Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. 
Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to His children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul He fills with good things. I pause there. So that's the first story. The first story is about people who were lost. But they were lost enough that they ran out of food and they ran out of water. They began, their soul began to, began, began to faint. Like they get, they, they're fearful. Um, and it might be like this, this psalm might be talking about Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. Um, but they're lost, and they're lost enough that they are fearful. Now, we're not told the reason why they were lost. We could get lost for many reasons, right? And so, um, I'm dating myself, but I, when I was in college, a um, group of uh, friends, we got together, and we said, hey, let's go out to Philly, took out a map, you know, no phones or computer, or we had computer, no, did we? No computer? No, I don't know. Never mind. Take that back. I don't want to sound too old, but no phones, all right? No GPSs. So we take our maps out, and we're looking, and I said, okay, we just got to get on the Beltway, and then take 95 North, and we'll hit Philadelphia. No problem. So we get in the car, and we're driving, and we're just talking, and I'm not paying attention. I'm just driving for maybe about an hour, maybe. And then I see this big sign. It says, welcome to Virginia. So I basically made a loop on the Beltway. And when I did that, I felt so dumb and embarrassed. Um, and I just, I was like, how, how could I do that? But it was because I wasn't paying attention. A lot of times, we get, we get lost in life, don't we? we? We don't know exactly what's happening around us. We get disoriented. We're not sure exactly what steps to take next, where to go next, what job to look. There's a sense of lostness in our life. And sometimes it might be our fault, but sometimes it's not. And so in this psalm, there are people who are lost, and they begin to be afraid. And then in verse 6, it says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. And all the stories, the four stories, has this same exact verse. There's distress, some kind of trouble. And they cry out to the Lord, and God delivers them. Can I ask you this question? Really simple. When was the last time you actually cried out to God? I think what often happens is that we have problems and troubles in life. And we carry those things with us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, really simple verse says, Cast all your anxieties on Him, on Christ, because He cares for you. Cast all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And that word cast means throw on or add on. So the Bible is telling us, don't carry your anxieties, but, but you put that on Christ. All of it, you put that on Christ. But that's not what we do. What, what we do is, Oh, we might put some, but we, we hold on to these anxieties and burdens, and we think about them, we dwell on them, and we sleep over them, and we get anxious, we get nervous, we get afraid. But, but the psalmist, the Bible is clear, cast those things, cry out to the Lord because He will hear you. He will deliver you. 
So the rhythm of all four stories is like this. There's a problem. We cry out to God. God delivers us, and we give thanks, right? That's the rhythm of all these stories. Cry out to God. And look what happens here in verse 7. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. And the verse 8, let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works uh, to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. When he cried, when the psalmist cried out, God delivered them. Some of us might feel lost in life today. We might be wandering, but we are never too lost for God's love to find us. His steadfast love endures forever. There's a next story. The second story is uh, verse 10. It says, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. So the second story is about these group of people. Uh, they're in prison. They're prisoners. Um, this might be maybe Israelites' experience in Egypt or in Babylon. But what's, what makes this, um, their situation even more, that much more difficult is they're in this situation, some kind of bondage, some kind of, maybe we could even say addiction, they're in chains because of their hard hearts. Like, like they brought this situation upon themselves. And this is, I think this is pretty important because oftentimes when we go through, like when we face problems and there's troubles in life, you know, if it's not our fault, like we can't go to God and we say, God, I need help, help me. But if it's our fault and we recognize that maybe it's our sin or rebellious, rebelliousness or our hearts being hard or we disobeyed, I mean, what do we do then? Like, does God still rescue us? Does God still deliver us? And the answer is yes. Look at verse uh, 12. It says, so he, that's God, bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. So they're in this affliction. They brought this on themselves. And then what happens next here is it says, God bowed their hearts down with hard labor. So God, even, even in the midst of affliction and troubles, seems like God brings these people down lower. Why would God do that? This doesn't make sense if we think that the goal and purpose of our life is comfort or pleasure. Because God's purpose for us is not comfort. God's purpose for us is a relationship with us. And sometimes He lovingly allows us to hit rock bottom. He humbles us lovingly so that, again, we might cry out to Him. And then in verse 13, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. 
and He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love. Some of us might feel like we're in prison, bondage, and addiction. However, no prison, no chains can keep us apart from the love of God. His steadfast love endures forever. Even, even if we, we've caused our affliction, like we've made mistakes, we've sinned, we've rebelled, our hearts were hard, even though it's our fault, God's love still chases after us and He delivers out, us out of our own affliction and bondage because His steadfast love endures forever. There are the third group of people, verse 17 says, some were fools through their sinful ways. So again, this, this group of people, they sinned. Like it, was, it was their fault. And because of their iniquity, suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. So the third group of people are sick. They're sick because they've done something. Um, and I think because it says God's word came and healed them, I think we could say the sickness, I mean, it could be physical sickness, but it could also be spiritual sickness emotional sickness, mental sickness, there's a sense of sickness in them, and God speaks words of healing, and they are healed. Living in this world, at times, we feel low, don't we? We feel depressed. We feel empty. And it's easy for us to turn to other things and other places for relief. Um, there's an author named Alan Noble. He says that we, all Christians, not only just people in this world now, uh, are just used to self-medicating. And he says this. He says, you know, some drink, some eat, some binge watch friends, some work more, some work out more, some cut themselves, some immerse themselves in the news, some immerse themselves in porn, some play video games, some shop, some sleep, some become K-pop stands, some scroll endlessly through Instagram, some argue online, some take up yoga, some take up, some take up gambling. He, I mean, he goes on and on and on and on. And then he says at the end, self-medicating is the norm in our society because if we don't medicate, we are not sure if we can make it through the day. All of us are sick in some, in some ways, whether that's physical sickness, emotional sickness, spiritual sickness. And it's so easy for us to turn to any of these things to self-medicate so that there is a sense of relief. And for, for, for a time, you do feel entertained and you forget about your troubles. Uh, for a time, you, there is a sense of relief. For a time, you, you might be distracted, but our sickness hasn't gone away. It's still there. It still lingers. 
the psalmist tells us, no, 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 cry out to the Lord, and He will bring forth wholeness. He will heal you through His Word. So those of us who feel low, those, who, those of us who feel sick, cry out to the Lord this morning and receive the healing that comes from His Word. No sickness, whether physical, emotional, spiritual, is beyond the healing power of God's Word. His steadfast love endures forever. Lastly, last group in verse 23 says, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters, and saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depth. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. The last group, not talking about um, sin or guilt. I think they, there's a sense they recognize their like, littleness. Like they hit a storm, an immense storm, and in the midst of the storm, they recognize how small and frail and helpless and weak they really are. When they face this kind of great storm, all of their skills in life, um, their intellect, education, everything that they have, they've acquired, it was useless. In the midst of overwhelming storms in life, um, that's, that's how we feel, don't we? Whatever the storm might be, we're hit with it, and, and it makes us realize that we are alive, actually, because more because of God's mercy than our accomplishments or our, our skills. Like, when we're really hit with the great storms in life, we recognize that we really are helpless. We are weak. But no storms in life are too big for God's power. He will give you peace. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, after the fourth story, there's um, about 10 verses, and we won't go into it, but about 10 verses where the psalmist talks about God's sovereignty. And I think that's where he's talking about how there are... um, Like people are unjustly treated, and yet God flips things upside down, and people who are lowly, He raises them up. So He talks about God's sovereignty, and at the very end, verse 43, if you have your Bibles open, look there, 43, this is His conclusion. He says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. He's saying, be wise and respond to God, not in a shallow way, but consider and understand the depth of God's enduring love for you. So he's he's saying, think about God's love. Think about these stories. Think about how God delivered them. No matter what people face, God's 
love endured. Think about them. Don't let it just, don't just listen to it, hear it, and then let it pass by, but dwell on it. Think about it. Allow it to shape you and change you. Now, the book of Psalms, as I talked about in the beginning, uh, it's divided into five books, and book number five, I think if you read it, the, read the whole book at one setting, you could kind of tell there are different themes. The, from 107 to 118, seems like it's one collection of Psalms because it has similar themes. And then Psalm 119 is a long Psalm, psalm about God's Word, and then Psalm 20 through Psalm 134 is about Psalms, they call it Psalms of Ascent. It's there's psalms that we sang, they sang as they went up to Jerusalem to worship. So Psalm 107, the psalm that we, sang, we read, to Psalm 118 is one, I think, one collection. Because Psalm 118 ends exactly the same way that Psalm 107 started. It, basically, it says, Psalm 118, 29 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. So if you sit down one setting, you read from Psalm 107 to 118, it's about God's faithfulness. It's about God's enduring love for people in different seasons, different situations in life. But Psalm 118, the scholars call Psalm 118 one of the messianic psalms. And that just means that it's a psalm that points to the coming Messiah. And so let me just read a few verses from Psalm 118. Psalm 118 verse 21 says, I thank you that you have answered me and you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. So this is, this is a verse, a phrase that, that's quoted many times in the New Testament, talking about how Jesus is the cornerstone, the stone that builders rejected, but he becomes a cornerstone. And then again, you read further down, Psalm 118, verse 26. It says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And then a few verses down, this is how it ends. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 26, when it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that's the, that's the chant that the crowd sang and declared as Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, right? Hosanna, Hosanna, who comes in the name of the Lord. So what is, what is Psalm 18 kind of talking about as it summarizes that whole section is we truly know the unbreaking, unchanging, enduring forever love of God in the coming of the Messiah. God's love is unbreakable and it's unending because it's grounded in Christ. Remember the wedding vows? You know, if you could imagine God saying, I'm going to love you and be faithful to you no matter what, right? And we're on the other side and we're looking at God and we can't say that, right? We've, we've, we've failed in so many ways. So what happens? Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus comes and he stands in our place and lives a perfect, sinless life that pleases God. And he dies on the cross to, uh, to cleanse us from our sins and removes our guilt. And he stands in our place. And so that when God sees us, he sees us in Jesus Christ. 
And so, what that means is God's enduring, never-ending, unbreaking love for you is real in Christ. And that's what Paul says. Just let me read this one more time. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, rulers, nor things in the present, things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord. So God truly, friends, loves us. His love never breaks. Nothing can get in the way of God's love for us. And it's not because because we've been a, a good people, good Christians, or we've kept all the... No, it's because of Christ. We are united with Him in faith. We stand with Him. He covers us so that when God declares His love for us, it is true. His love never breaks, never ends. It endures forever. So, I thought we could respond together. Um, and so, we're going to pray and kind of reflect on this. And again, the end of Psalm 107 says, be wise. Right? Think about this. Consider the enduring love of God. And so, I'm going to at this time uh, invite our worship team to come up and um, we'll do a corporate prayer, respond, uh, response prayer, and then I'll give us some time to kind of pray on our own. And so um, I'll say a portion of prayer and I'm going to just end uh, each section with God, we cry out to you in our distress. And if you could respond back by saying, your steadfast love endures forever. let's, Let's practice. God, we cry out to you in our distress. Yeah, let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you for loving us with your everlasting love. Jesus, thank you for living the life that we could not live. Thank you for dying to pay for our sins and our guilt. Holy Spirit, thank you for reminding us of the Father's love. God, thank you that nothing in all creation can separate us from your love for us. Yet despite despite your great love for us, we confess we often wander away from you. We wander trying to fill our hunger and quench our thirst. Father, lead us back to yourself this morning. Lead us back to our dwelling place with you. God, we cry out to you in our distress. God, we have sinned against you in our foolishness. We have rebelled against your word. We are addicted to sin. Our pride and our self-sufficiency have made us sick. We have tried to self-medicate only to feel more desperate and in more pain. But no prison and no bondage and no sickness can keep us apart from your everlasting love for us. You can break the chains in our lives. You can heal us with your word. You are our counselor, our great physician. You are our king who rescues us from our prison. Rescue and heal us today from our sickness. 
God, we cry out to you in our distress. And lastly, God, we often feel weak and helpless in the midst of our great storms in life. We feel overwhelmed. We feel so little and powerless. We don't know what to do. But no storms are too big for you. With your word, you can calm the sea. God, calls the storms in our lives to be still. But even in the midst of these storms, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to know the peace that comes from your loving presence. God, we cry out to you in our distress. And give us a moment to pray on our own. And uh, whether you do this kind of verbally out loud or quietly in your heart, let's cry out uh, to the Lord in our distress because He hears us. Let's not turn to our idols and try to self-medicate because they don't work. But let's come to our Heavenly Father and cry out to Him and be reminded of this enduring love of God for us in Christ. So let me give us a minute to do that and then we'll sing a couple songs and, we'll ha- and then we'll have communion.
I wake up until I lay. 